Pucks with Ags is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. And welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my stuff on joehaggerty.substack.com. Please feel free to take a premium membership on my Substack account so you can get all of my stuff, all of my Bruins content and NHL content sent directly to your inbox and you can read it fully. Uh, with me today, uh, as he's been a few times, Evan Marinoski from the New England Hockey Journal, also the host of the Bruins Beat here on the CLNS Network. We're extremely happy to have him. First, though, let's give some love uh, to the sponsors. First of all, uh, Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. I love it. Meals in two minutes, healthy, uh, delicious. And also FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, as always, we got to give them plenty of love. Right now, uh, $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Win or lose, you get $200 in bonus bets. You can't beat that, uh, except if you're betting on the Patriots to win, then you might be able to beat that. But <laughs> that's a story for another day. Evan, uh, welcome to the show again. Training camp has started. Maybe uh, some of your thoughts off the top from just the first couple of days of Boston Bruins training camp. Well, first of all, I saw you talking to McAvoy one-on-one yesterday, so I'm excited to see that on the sub stack. That should be uh, a, a it's great, on, it, uh, a it's great on there now, Evan. Try, it's on there now. A, okay, perfect. That's a perfect. great that's a great little segue into uh, going to sub stack. And if you want to know what Charlie McAvoy thinks, and, and we'll get into this a little bit in the podcast. If you want to know what Charlie McAvoy thinks about Brad Marchand being captain instead of maybe a guy like Charlie McAvoy being captain, I asked him <laughs> that yesterday, and you can find out. So thank you for that plug. That was fantastic, Evan. But uh, what kinds of things are you looking at here at training camp the first few days? Well, it's funny. I was on uh, with uh, Connor yesterday on Poke the Bear, and I was saying how, like, in training camp, and and you, you've, you know, you've a lot more experience than, than me in this, but I don't really – care about the guys on the rock that are officially on the roster the marshans the mcavoys the posture if they look good great you know if they don't you know i i'm thinking they'll figure out at some point i'm yeah. more focused on those prospects uh the guys on the bubble the lysels of the world the merculoffs the low rise um you know deeper you can go into like a like a danton heinen i think that's a really interesting case of like you know on friday i thought he looked pretty good and yeah. he's a montgomery guy and that's a guy who you know, wouldn't shock me if he's on the third line to start the year. Um, so it's guys like that. That's what I'm most focused on. And I think, you know, we'll get our best look at a lot of those guys on Sunday against the the Rangers. So yep. that's, I think that's the biggest thing uh, that I kind of look for. And I think it's also, it's tough because, you know, you see, I was saying this to Patrick Donnelly yesterday in the press box. I was like, you know, it's tough because you see a guy look good in a drill and you see the tweets like, oh, he looks outstanding. And it's like, Let's all simmer down. <laughs> like a guy has a good, good drill or, or, or a good three on three battle drill, or, you know, your favorite, the, the, the pass for the breakaway type drill, yeah. um, which you said you're going to institute for, for your son's youth hockey team, which I think is a great uh, idea. No, uh, there's a lot of drills. I'm going to steal. I told Ryan Mujanel the other day that I'm going to steal. They do this drill where they do a three man breakout at one end. And it goes into a three on three with the guys on the other side. Like they have both guys on both sides doing three, uh, three man breakouts with one four checker. And then as soon as they break out of the zone, they give the puck back to the coach and they race down to the other end of the ice for a three on three small area game at the other end. And then it's like transitioning from one to the, I think it's an awesome drill. I told Mujan all that yesterday. He's like, good. Name it after me. When you introduce it to the kids and do it in practice, I was like, I'm definitely going to do, I'm going to call it the Mooj. So Mooj. I, shout out to the Providence Bruins coach. I don't know if he's, that's his drill. I don't know if he stole it from somebody. I don't care where he got it from. Awesome drill uh, that I'm definitely going to use. But to your point, 
um, you can't read too much into the, the drills, some of the battle drills and some of the one-on-one drills you can read a little bit into, and you'll get a little insight from those, but like, look, bottom line, uh, Jim Montgomery had the second day had to go with the forward lines wearing different colored, uh, jerseys to make sure the drill drills were running right because there was, everybody was in black and white jerseys with their names on the back the first day. And there was too much confusion with the young guys and the newcomers as to what drills they were running and what was going on. So like, they're even still trying to work that stuff out and make sure everybody's on the same page as far as the crispness of the drills, executing them correctly, like all that stuff. And there's the nerves with the young guys. So there's not a lot. And there's also the fact that a lot of the veteran guys are kind of working on things rather than trying to show their best self every single second of every single drill during those training camps. So, you, you know, there's, there's early in the preseason, I don't read anything into the line combinations. I don't read anything into, you know, pretty much anything I see until we get a little later in camp. The one thing to your point that I really like and I'm interested by is when they pair the veterans with the young guys in the line combos and the defenseman pairings, and you start to see what they're thinking a little bit as to what those players might be long-term, what their roles might be, how they're going to look with veteran guys like Fabian Lysel skated with Charlie Coyle and Brad Marsh in the first couple of days. Uh, Matthew Patra was with um, uh, David Posternak, which, you know, he was on cloud nine after that first <laughs> practice session, getting skating around uh, with number 88. Mason Lowry was in a pairing with Brandon Carlo, um, you know, stuff like that. Um, Georgie Merkalov was centering to Danton Heinen, who you mentioned looked really good, and Jake DeBrusque. So that's a real nice premium center uh, look for him with those two guys. So, like, those are the things I'm looking at, and I, I'm interested by the first few days of training camp. But, like, you know, when you've covered 20 training camps, you realize what happens. The young guys look really good at the beginning, really hungry. You know, they might even have a good first preseason or uh, game or two right out of the gate. And then you steadily see as preseason and training camp goes on, the veterans just look better and better and better. And then when it comes like time to win the actual spot towards the end of preseason and beat somebody out for a job, all of a sudden the veterans come out of nowhere and have these great performances. And it's like, okay, they're starting to turn it on now and get it ready for the regular season. So like, you know, that that's basically sort of the ebb and flow or the, the, the narrative of training camp when you're watching it for, for long periods of time. And, you know, what I think is going to be interesting, like you, I thought Dan Heinen looked really good. I haven't really noticed Alex chasing much in the first couple of days, but training yeah, camp haven't. drills, I really aren't his thing. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see what he's going to look like net front on the power play during some of these preseason games when he gets those looks and, and stuff like that. Um, no, another line I, I was interested by too, was the Johnny Beecher centered uh, Jacob Lauko and Milan Lucic. I thought that was a really good look for him too, on a, in a potential fourth line role. So, you know, that that's the kind of stuff I'm looking at. Uh, any, any of those young guys in your uh, mind flashed uh, for you these first couple of days? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I won't say flashed. I, one guy that, you know, and it's funny, again, you have to take these drills with a grain of salt. You have to kind of look, as you said, you have to look at them with, you know, it's it's beginning of training camp. It's a drill. Uh, everybody has bad drills. Everybody has good drills. It's hard yep. to judge a lot off it. But uh, there was a three on two net front drill on the side of the ice that I was on yep. uh, yesterday. And, and yep. Heinen, DeBrusque and Merkulov kept getting looks. And it's interesting because as I was watching you know, Heinen and DeBrusque, they looked natural together and they were, you know, finding each other. They were finding smart routes to get open around the two defenders. And Merkulov was having a tough time doing that. He wasn't, you know, I know hockey sense has always been kind of a, an issue with him. And that's, you know, a little bit of a red flag uh, going forward. 
Yeah. But he was having a tough time. And I saw the coaches pull him aside a couple of times to be like, Hey, you know, and I don't know what they were saying, but my guess is they were, you know, they sick was out showing him, you know, different ways to, to get open. And um, I think stuff like that, you can sort of note and say, okay, the hot, you know, the, the, you know, looking natural with two NHL players, uh, not quite there yet. Um, like Fabian Lysel is always someone that uh, I haven't, I've never loved his game away from the puck, which I think, you know, as time goes on, hopefully changes. I know they hopefully think it changes. Well, and Jim Montgomery noted that uh, when he talked to us after the first day that he, he said he didn't think he'd played particularly well defensively, like in, in the drills. So like that, that tells you something too. Like I, I, Bottom line with all those young guys, I think every single one of them is going to end up in Providence to start the year, you know, unless agreed, agreed. unless somebody like Beecher all of a sudden like shows that he can handle a fourth line center role. And I don't even know if I consider Mark McLaughlin one of those guys at this point. I think he's a little above them as far as development, where he's pretty close to ready if he's going to be an NHL guy uh, in a fourth line center kind of role or a wing kind of role. But like, you know, aside from one of those young guys ending up as the fourth line center or on the fourth line, that's really the only place I could see any of them winning a spot uh, out of camp unless – you know, Mason Lowry blows everybody out of the water and they decide they can trade a defenseman and, you know, get some cap space. But like, I, I don't know that they want to do that with any of them. I think they, they'd be much uh, more well-served and much happier if they just play like half a season in Providence and then revisit it, you know, midway through the year. Yeah. I think that's, and you know, we, you and I have kind of said this all off season. Like I I don't, there's no reason to rush it. You know, like you look at the top six, uh, you have guys there, Uh, your third line, Frederick, geeky potentially a Heinen um you know you've got you've got guys there you could you know uh and then on the fourth line that's really the only area and I don't think you want to throw Merkulov up into the NHL as a fourth liner no. just you know right out of the gate no uh you don't want that's to do that with Lysel yeah Lysel you don't want to do that with Beecher as you mentioned is kind of the only guy uh at least off the top of my head that could kind of fill that if he continues to progress, you know, can you be uh, fast and hard on the four check? Can you be at least somewhat defensively responsible? Uh, again, with, with Beecher, it's always, you know, if the scoring comes, it's gravy, you know, like that's, it, it's an added bit to it. Um, but if you can be sort of, you know, a big fast presence uh, and, you know, I know hockey sense has always been something, you know, that they've noted, you know, not been super impressed with, with him, but again, I think, you know, if you're if you're on that fourth line, hard four check, uh, being responsible enough in your own zone, um, you know, that's one guy I could see potentially making the roster. But again, it's far out. A lot has to go right in the next two weeks for that to be the case. But uh, that's really yeah. the only guy I think, or you know, Lauko, I would put in that McLaughlin category of, yep. you know, just a little bit above uh, and a little more ready. But uh, yeah, be- as you said, Beecher's really the only one. You mentioned Lowry too. Lowry is a, a fascinating one because, you know, He's progressed so much in the last two years um, at Ohio State and, you know, spent some time at Providence last year. But I still think adjusting to the speed of the pro game, there's nothing wrong with Providence for, you know, as long as he needs. There's nothing wrong with that. So I I think think keeping up with the speed of of the professional level, the elite professional level is always going to be a challenge for Lowry a little bit. He's not the Mm. fastest skater in the world. So, like, I think that's something he's always going to have to – work really hard to to keep pace with everybody else as good as his offensive skills and his ice vision and his ability to pass and shoot are like the skating uh, for a big guy is I think the one thing that's always going to be he's going to have to work hard to keep up with everybody else and keep pace and I think allowing him to do that for a while in the AHL level before he gets to the NHL where it's 
you know, super fast forward, like <laughs> fastest guys in the world is probably the right move. Uh, Leko, I think is already on the roster. I think they already view him as an NHL player, unless he like has a complete, like a uh, meltdown, uh, st- setback, step back kind of performance in training camp. I think a fourth line winger role is his to lose based on how he played last year and based on how kind of they view him. Um, and that's why I thought putting Beecher between Lucic and Lauko was really interesting because I think they're going to give him, if he stays there, a legit look to see what he can do. And, you know, with all those guys that are first round picks like Beecher, like Trent Frederick, some of those guys that our first round picks, but don't, you know, they're, they're third, fourth line players. They're, you know, not going to be premium offensive players. They kind of more role players than anything else. Uh, I think it takes, I think it takes a while. Yeah. I think it takes a while for them to transition, you know, from thinking to themselves, I'm a first round pick, I'm a star player. You know, I'm one of the, I'm the best player on the team to all of a sudden, okay, I have to play a certain kind of role and play a certain kind of way in order to be effective at the professional level. And I think that's something that Beecher is still going through. It sounded from uh, the uh, the way Ryan Mujanel spoke of him, that he kind of passed through that and figured it out towards the end of last year in Providence, which is great. But like, it's the, to your point, it's the little things on the fourth line. You have to be able to win faceoffs. You have to uh, p- kill penalties. You have to be a really smart player. Realize what your role is, which is going to be more, you know, offensive possession in the, in the offensive zone, puck possession, cycling the puck, like killing time basically with puck possession and keeping it in their zone. So the other lines can get on the ice that are going to give you your, you know, offensive performances, your goals, all those kind of things. Those are the guys, the kind of things that when you're a fourth line guy, you sort of have to come to grips with and hockey sense and hands are always going to be an issue with Johnny Beecher. He's never going to be a big goal scorer in the NHL level. He's kind of, he reminds me a lot. I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you or, or somebody else, but he, to me is like Daniel, Daniel Paye, who was also mm-hmm. a first round pick, former first round pick. Yeah. Speed and the tenacity he plays with will always put him in good offensive positions. He's going to get breakaways. He's going to get all kinds of really good chances based on the speed and, and the way he plays the game, the tenacious way he plays the game, but he just doesn't have the hands to finish those chances that he gets uh, often enough to really allow him to sort of elevate his game to higher levels. So like once he comes to grips with that, I think he's going to be a force uh, as a fourth line bottom six kind of center because the skating, he looks like Jack Eichel when he skates on the ice, just a big, long stride so fast. covers the ice and chews it up uh, the fast, the the speed and the physicality and being six two, 210 pounds. Like he looks like an NHL player when he's skating around out there, you know, <laughs> FanDuel sports book, uh, our, our greatest and longest and best sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook, phenomenal. Uh, the NFL season is here, so go bet on the Patriots or maybe bet against them. Uh, maybe that's what you're doing. Although the Patriots, it, it like if you're going to FanDuel and you're using the Patriots as a bet, it's very complicated right now because they're 0-2, but they've both been very close games, and they look like they're one of those football teams that they're going to lose, but it, they're going to be just this close to winning and, you know, lose it on the last drive of every single game. But uh, get into the NFL season right now with FanDuel, America's number one sports book and the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS network. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's not a better time to get in on the action than right now with the NFL season in full swing. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Uh, so visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. 
21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipts. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelpline ma.org, or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. You know what's interesting? Beecher's development path is really interesting because he was a guy who was at Salisbury, really good, went right to the NTDP, and... I've never talked to Beecher about this and, and, you know, obviously an invite to the NTDP is, is the biggest thing in the world. You have to yep. go. Um, I only know of one person that in my knowledge that ever declined the invitation. Um, well, but, my, my cousin actually did too. Way back oh, in the did. day. Oh, he did. Adam, okay. All right. Yes. That's, Adam that's Garagoshin, uh a long time ago, uh, inside baseball story, because apparently uh, he didn't want to leave his girlfriend at the time uh, to go out <laughs> to awesome. the US NDP. Yes. But <laughs> That's good. No, and, that's a great. And, and we awesome. cr- and we crush him for it now because he's not married <laughs> to that girl these days. So, hey, you know what? He made a short term decision. He made a yes. short term decision. But but Beecher's an interesting case because he went to the NTDP, was you know in their bottom six. Uh, you know, went to Michigan, was in their bottom six, and you know he's always been amongst the most talented. But you know, at a role that was a third or fourth line role, uh, to the best of my knowledge. And I'm always curious, you know, if he didn't go to the NTDP and went stayed at Salisbury and then went to the USHL or uh, went, you know, went to a school that wasn't Michigan and was in a top six role. Like would those skills have developed? Would he have envisioned himself more as a top six guy? And it's an interesting conundrum with a lot of these NTDP kids that are on the bottom six, because those kids at, you know, prep schools, junior programs would be top six players, but they're on the national team. And Trent Frederick was the same thing. He was Frederick a bottom six center for the NDDP before he went to Wisconsin. Same thing. And, you know, yeah. it, it, it kind of, that always stuck there, but like some guys that's just, you know, I, I remember when Frederick got drafted, uh, he's same draft as Charlie McAvoy. And I still, to this day, crush the Bruins for not taking Alex to brink it instead of Trent Frederick, as good mm-hmm. as Trent Frederick has turned out to be like the, you know, Alex to brink it, I think was scored, had like back-to-back 60 goal seasons in the OHL uh, going into that draft year. And Lee, yeah, he was a little small, but like today's NHL, small, fast players that are skilled like that, that are goal scorers, they play and they are effective as we've seen with to brink it. Um, but that's a story for another day. Bottom line is like when he was drafted, I remember Keith Gretzky, who was the head of scouting at that point for the Bruins, basically calling him, projecting him as a third line center someday. And it was like, mm-hmm controversial because like i don't think you should be drafting guys you project as third line centers with first round picks even if you need big bodied centers physical players like all that you were projecting him to be especially with knowing that milan lucic was either moving on or was going to be moving on soon and you wanted a a power forward type to replace him uh but i just don't think you pick those kind of guys in the first round and and i think even back then they saw even though he was at the ndp wherever he was going to be that that's kind of what his lot in life was eventually going to be he just wasn't as dynamic offensively as uh, some of these other forwards that are out there, but you can't teach six foot three, 215, 220 pounds, you know, with Frederick's size and the physicality that he plays with and everything else. So, uh, but to your point, I think that's a really interesting point as far as pathways and, you know, it, 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 I can't imagine if I was a player at eight, 17, 18, and I was invited to go to the national team development program, and play there for a year that regardless of what my role was going to be, I was going to turn it down because yeah, like, no, I mean, I don't blame all those guys get drafted. It's an interesting, you know, thing. 
all, pretty much all those guys get drafted. Uh, your, your future is really set as long as you go there and you're not, you know, a problem on or off the ice. Like, you know, that that's a hard one to turn down or turn away from. That's exactly it. And I think, you know, again, it's worked out for him, right? I mean, NTDP, Michigan, first round pick, uh, you know, a, a guy the Bruins are looking towards in the lineup. I'm not, you know, but I'm, it's always a curious what if with some of those bottom six NTDP kids of what, you know, what if you did something different? Obviously, you wouldn't. And TDP is a, a huge prestigious honor, and I'm not, like, knocking it. I think it's a great thing. But it is an interesting thing always with those bottom six guys because sometimes you'll you'll see a guy on the U17 team who is in the bottom six or isn't playing much, and then they transition to the USHL and say, I'm going to, you know, do my own thing. And and he was not like that. I mean, he played. He, that was not the issue with him. But it's always yep. an interesting thing, you know, because it, it it's that mindset. It's a big difference, you know, this between the bottom six and the top six and how you envision yourself. Um, again, I've never talked to him about it. You know, I've always been kind of curious. Um, but again, it's, the path has worked out. <laughs> he got to the NHL. I think that's the biggest thing. But yeah, I mean, again, with him. You 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 nailed it with like if you can just be a force and annoying to play against uh, as a fourth liner uh, this season at least like he has a spot if that's the case yes. and have good um, details you know exactly and that's it that as long as you can do all those things and you know for that particular role I wonder if Mark McLaughlin's got a leg up on him because he's done a lot of that in the HL for a couple of years and I think he's details wise is a little bit at a higher level than um, as far as polish goes for the NHL level than Beecher. But like, I think they're also looking at McLaughlin on the wing and they may move him off centrally entirely. So it'll be interesting to watch how that goes. Uh, the big news this week, obviously Brad Marchand named a 27th captain in Boston Bruins history and a full, a full credit to the Bruins for really uh, going into the archives and making sure they know exactly how many captains there are. Cause there was some, uncertainty as to what number captain this was until they actually went back and researched it before they named Brad Marchand the captain. So he's the 27th captain in Boston Bruins history, uh, 27 captains in a hundred years. That is a very select club. They put out a pretty cool video uh, on their Twitter account uh, yesterday. I think it was that had a bunch of the, the living captains uh, congratulating him and welcoming to the club guys like Ed Sanford um, Johnny Busick, Ray Bork, uh, Zdeno Charberg. It was pretty cool uh, to see that. Um, but I just think, you know, we've done a lot of talk about who the captain's going to be. I think it's agreed uh, generally that it was probably between Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy as to who was going to be captain of this team. Um, there was some people that thought it should be McAvoy because he's got the, you know, longer term deal. He's going to be there for a long time at 25 years old. He could be your captain for the next 10 years uh, if he was named now. He's obviously going to be on the ice more than Brad Marchand as a defenseman. That's a number one guy that's out there 23 minutes a game. You know, that's part of it, too. Uh, and maybe even um, to a degree temperament wise uh, or playing style wise, he might be the more traditional fit than a guy that's uh, got the most suspensions in NHL history and has signed over a million dollars in game checks to Gary Bettman in the NHL uh, for <laughs> suspensions and penalties. Um, but like, I, I just think in my mind, I've said Brad Marchand all along. I think he's the only choice. I think he's the right choice at 35 years old. And he's the guy that's the last remaining Stanley cup champion on this team. Um, the link back to 2011, he's been here throughout. He was Patrice Bergeron's assistant through his run as captain. Let's see. So he knows everything about this team, um, how to deal with situations, you know, how to deal with other players, 
how to lead. Like he's got the experience to do all those things. Uh, and I think he's also got the component where he's not afraid to challenge guys when they need to be challenged, which I think is part of it too. So I, you know, for, for all that and more, I think it was the right choice. He's the the perfect time. He's given his time. He's going to have it for a couple of years and Charlie McAvoy will get his time after Brad Marchand is captain for a year or two. So like, I think this was the right way to do it. I'm glad the Bruins made the choice that they made. I felt like it was a no brainer, but I think it was the right thing to do for the team in the transition it's in right now. You need somebody that's going to be able um, to carry on the stable, uh, excellent leadership that Zdeno Chara and Patrice Bergeron have built over the last 15 years. And I think Brad Marchand is the guy to do that because he takes pride in it. I think he wants to do that. And I think he takes it very seriously to keep the legacy going of those other two players and what they've built here over the last couple of decades. So for all those reasons and more, I was really glad to see him as captain. Yeah, I, they nailed it. I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you on this. Like, you know, McAvoy's time will come. I think it's good to let him continue to grow as a leader and to grow kind of into that role in the locker room, whether it's him or Pasternak down the road. Um, And again, there were, uh, you know, there were other options, obviously, than Martian. But I just think how weird would it have been if they didn't pick him? You know, how weird would it have been if, if, you know, you saw how much it meant to him in that press conference, right, where he's saying they go out to dinner and, you know, he's like, are they letting me down easy? By the way, uh, shout out to Soralina, the restaurant that they went to dinner to in Boston that apparently is one of Cam Neely's favorites. That is a fantastic restaurant. Your your wallet will take an extreme dent if you start ordering bottles of wine uh, from the uh, from the, the the wine list that they give you. Like, I think I'm still paying off the last time I went there, like two, uh, three or four <laughs> years ago. But excellent choice by the Bruins and Cam Neely uh, to take Brad Marchand out to dinner. Sorolina in the back bay, fantastic. I've never been. Thankfully, I'm a beer guy. I guess so. The wine, I, I won't be. Uh, Evan, I don't, I don't know if you can that. afford it yet. You might still have to work up to that level, buddy. I'm telling you, the the dinner bill was in the thousands when we left it was a lot oh geez okay i've never i've never been there's clearly a reason i've never been and i think that's the exact reason um but yeah i mean again how weird would it have been if they didn't pick him you know how weird would it have been if he was an assistant and mcavoy was the captain and it's like you know marshan kind of is the leader of this team and uh you know i said all off season like if you're not going to make him captain the way that this team is transitioning why are you keeping him around you know he's the only piece on this roster that has legitimate trade value a good contract all those things you don't trade a brad marsh i'm not saying you do uh, because the leadership component's too strong but you know older there you know a team would give up a first a prospect for him so again if you're not gonna make him captain what is he here for um that was my you know kind of thing all off season meaning you should make him captain he has to be captain and he is. And you even see in the, you know, these, the first few days of training camp, you know, nobody has uh, played harder with a higher compete than him. I mean, he has, there was a great, I mentioned. And this nobody will all year. You no, know? no one will. And and there was a great, uh, there was a great play in front of the net. Uh, Lysel tried to dangle around Marshan. Marshan takes a stick, just right down on him, puts his hand on his shoulder, pushes him down. Yep. And it's kind of like, Hey, you know, keeping the young guys in line. So I think he has no, he pulls no punches uh, with that, and again, like I think he's captain as long as he's still here, um, and he's earned it. He's earned it, and I think that's the biggest thing. And as you mentioned, they're in a we, they're in a transitional phase, maybe a little bit of a retool going forward. Um, although I still project them to be a playoff team this year, uh, despite yeah. you know the retool. Um, yep. I don't know if it's fully underway yet, uh, but Martian again, right choice. I, there there really wasn't another um, great choice at this time. It felt like. 
All right. So because I've been to Sorolina in the last few years and I'm still paying off that bill, we've got to have uh, sponsors for the show here uh, to pay those bills. So let's give a little Good shout idea. out. We do have Factor Meals uh, to help us out. America's number one ready to eat meal kit when it does get busy, when it does get crazy, when we do need a, a quick meal. Uh, they fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Takes less than two minutes to cook them. They're fresh, never frozen. Meals ready in two minutes, like I said. Uh, they have calorie-conscious options going upscale with some of the things they're offering now, like surf and turf, surf and surf meal options, roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp and Cajun spiced shrimp and salmon, which is like right in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff I'm all about. So it's got everything for everybody. Uh, there's 34 plus chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options for meals. Uh, you can get snacks, you can get breakfast items. Like it's 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 a great deal. Um, so if you want to get Factor Meals, uh, go to factormeals.com/hags50 and use the code hags50 to get 50% off of your fir- first box. It's a great deal. Uh, you know, I- I've tried it. It's fantastic. I recommend it to you. We love these ready to to make meal kits especially when we're on the go with our kids. So one more time, that's factormeals.com slash hags50 to get 50% off your first box. You won't be sorry if you go to Factor Meals. It gets the hags thumbs up seal of approval. All right, let's get back into it. Um, And we're going to stick with the Marshan topic, Evan. Uh, Your favorite and mine, Mike Felger, had some thoughts on Brad Marshan being named captain, as he has thoughts on everything. Crazy uh, how that works. Yes, here, here's here's uh, Felger's take, which is always is kind of sitting on the fence, where he wouldn't say that Marshan was a bad pick. He would just say he wasn't my number one choice. Uh, so, like, I'd like Felger to actually feel a little more strongly about these things rather than like sit on the fence and and try just to play, go for it. Just try go to for play it both ways because he's, he's afraid to get he's afraid to get criticized. He's afraid for yeah. he's afraid for the hockey people to expose him and criticize him for the. Somewhat fraudulent hockey takes that Felger has from time to time. So uh, here's what Felger had to say about Marshan being captain. I would have not have chosen Marshan because, well, one, it doesn't change the DNA of your team. It's really just status quo. And I'd like to see the team evolve and shake up that status quo a little bit. And I think having a younger guy and a newer guy like McAvoy helps do that. Marshan really is just more of Chara and Bergeron, which is certainly not horrible, but it's not what I would want. I want some evolution. So he wants evolution from a team that's won the division a ton, made the playoffs every year, been to the Stanley Cup finals three times. Okay, so this isn't an evolution. That's one. And two, if things go bad for the Bruins, and I don't think they will, that's not what I'm predicting. But, you know, I'm often wrong. Yes, that's true, Felger. You are often wrong. You were, That is the best point you made in this entire quote. <laughs> uh, but if they do stink and they're out of the playoffs, I want them to trade Brad Marchand. As Murray said, he's 35 years old and he's got two years left on his contract. So I don't know what his long-term future is here, especially if you're not a playoff team. Well, let me uh, answer that for you, Felger. If you name a guy captain of the team, you're not trading him. Okay, so yeah, and what that's not happening. Not <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's not getting traded. He should not get traded. He is uh, one of the greats, like, uh, uh, Patrice Bergeron that's going to be a lifetime brew and I think that is a no-brainer at this point that the 63 is going to be up in the rafters where the 37 is going to go in the next couple of seasons he's going to end up in the Hockey Hall of Fame as one of the most iconic players of his generation and the best left winger or one of the best left wingers of his generation um, you know and the, the numbers speak for themselves with Brad Martian and they will definitely be there two or three years from now if he continues to play at the level that he is right now so um, you know, he should have been the captain. I don't think Charlie McAvoy or any of these players that have been here throughout their career 
uh, radically changes the DNA of this team, which is there is really not a problem with in the first place. Um, so, like, you know, I, I have a lot of problems with this argument, but I just think he's wrong to begin with to say that, like, somebody that's played with Chara and Bergeron, like McAvoy has and Marchand has, is going to be radically different from Marchand as captain. They all have the same DNA, which is, like, what you, when you talk to players around the NHL, it's one of the best cultures in the entire NHL, one of the most respected rooms and cultures in the entire league. There's really not much you should run away from or wanting to be changing. And by the way, if McAvoy and Pashnak, if one of the two became captain, they would just be trying to do what Marshand or Bergeron yes. or Chara would have done as yes. before. They're not like, there's no yes. reason to change. The reason they say these things is, oh, because they choke in the playoffs. Well, it's like, well, they consistently get to the playoffs and the playoffs are a crapshoot. Yeah. You saw that in 2011. 13, 19 last year, like it happens. It's a crapshoot. It is a complete crapshoot. And uh, they have the right culture to sort of embrace that crapshoot. Um, the other thing is they don't, you know, the roster itself uh, is in, as we said, sort of a transitional phase. And, you know, I don't think you want to put more on McAvoy and and uh, Pasternak's plate in terms of, hey, you know, we might have a couple of relatively down years here. Now, why don't you be the captain through all that? Uh, why not take a little bit more time with those guys? Now, the one thing I will say, now, I, I disagree with this point because I said it earlier. You know, if you're not going to name him captain, you could, if you really wanted to, make him tradable. And the only reason, I, I don't think they should trade him. I'm not going to, like, sit on the fence here because now he's captain, as you said. Yeah. They're not trading the captain. No. And it's no. a, the, that is a commitment to at least the rest of the contract this year and next year. And I would suspect that he'd be back on a one-year deal the year after that, as long as he wants to keep playing with incentives similar to what Bergeron was ha had at the end of his career. Exactly. Now, my only thing with the trading him is, if you look at this roster, right, they need firsts. They need first-round picks in future yep. years. You do need to bolster uh, the prospect pool a little bit. Now, yep. you look at this roster, wh who has value? Let's say they do stink this year. Let's say they just stink, right? Um, and you get to the deadline and you say, all right, what, what's realistic here, right? Like Olmark would be an easy one, feels yep. like, right? That'd be a guy that you could peel off, get a first and a prospect or whatever it is for him. Um, if the DeBrus contract negotiations go south, right, and you don't have a deal lined up by then, that could be another uh, guy that you do get something legitimate for. That would be um, a guy I would look at very intently um, as a guy that that might happen to this year because I've – I, and we've talked. We talked about it last week. Uh, like the Bruins' mo with guys like DeBrusque in their walk years, if they're not going to sign them, is there's not a lot of discussion about contracts. And DeBrusque came in, and the first thing he said at the golf tournament was, "It takes two to tango," meaning the Bruins have not really had any conversations with his camp. And I know Don Sweeney said they will happen. And, you know, I'm going to give them the rest of training camp to figure it out, have some conversations, find common ground, figure out where both sides are. But like, I just think that bears watching a lot because the Bruins do not really play poker with these. And you can tell pretty clearly like Tory Krug, where if there's zero talk and it's crickets chirping as far as negotiations going on in their last year of their deal, they're probably not coming back. And the, the Bruins have decided that that player is just going to be too expensive for them and an extension's not going to happen. And, you know, it becomes dicey trading players like that if you're in contention and you're going to be a playoff team. 
Uh, you're not going to sell off players like that, but to your like point, Krug, Krug was never going to be traded in that no. season in 1920. It was no. the president's trophy but, team, right? Like, that but to your traded. point, exactly. But to your point, if things do go sideways this year, DeBrusque would be a guy I would definitely look at as 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 a trade value or rental that would definitely get you a first round pick back if you're looking to recoup some of those draft picks that you've traded away. Now, let me ask you this, because this is again this is hypothetical because it's I guess it's not really going to happen because Marshan's captain. But would you rather have? And this is a, this is a sports radio questions, right? Yeah, yeah, I gotta yeah. Try, you know what are we doing here no that's um, fine but would you rather have debrusque for the rest of his career as a top six guy right a you know around a 30 goal score 50 60 points yeah or would you or would you rather have marshan for the rest of his career which might be three or four more years he's older just came off double hip surgery he's going to produce more in that amount of time obviously brings a lot more leadership but yeah you're going to have for less amount of time. I think it's a legit question, but I, again, one, he's captain. Like he's the captain. Yeah. He's not getting no. dealt, but I'm curious what you think. It's a legit question, but I'd rather have Marshan just because he plays with more emotion. He's going to drag you into the fight much more uh, than DeBrusque is going to do. And, and to be honest with you, like I, I was impressed with Jake DeBrusque last year. There was no question about it. I thought he had his best season. He would have hit 30 goals if he didn't break his leg in the winter classic. Uh, he played through injuries, as we saw in the Winter Classic. He's played tougher around the front of the net. I think he was better away from the puck than he's ever been before. M- mm-hmm. Much less flybys on the forecheck, and he actually took the body. I think he actually registered some body checks in games, which uh, is something that didn't really happen in previous years. There were long stretches he would go without z- zero uh, registered hits uh, at all. In, <laughs> Those are always fun. Yeah, so, like, you know, I-, I was impressed with the way he played last year. But my question is, and I would, if I were the Bruins, I would, and maybe this is part of the reason he hasn't been signed yet, or there hasn't been a lot of very you know, tangible discussions. I would want to see what he's going to look like without him skating with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand to see how effective he's going to be, how much he would be able to drive a line if he's not put in a plum position on a top line where he's going to get tons of chances, where the other guys are doing a lot of heavy duty lifting with two way play and where he's definitely not asked to do as much as, as, as if he was playing with, you know, Pavel Zaka and, and, you know, somebody at James Van Riemsdyk, let's say, or something like that. So like, I think they wanted, I'd want to see a lot more of what he can do away from hall of fame players playing on his line. Uh, and if he could drive a line before I would shell out, you know, six and a half million over eight years or whatever he's going to be able to get uh, on the open market. But uh, bottom line, to answer your question, Martian's a special player. He's a Hall of Fame player. I think you always pick those guys, even if they're aging and they've only got a few years left over players like DeBrusque, who are good, but and obviously tremendously skilled, fast, like all of the above. But I feel like there's there's that guy can be replaced. Martian can't be replaced in my mind. It's also just. You know, you nailed it just there. Like, it is easier to replace a guy like DeBrusque. A 30, you know, it's not hard. I mean, it's not easy. It's no, it's not, you know, definitely not. 30 goal. You know, uh, he's a guy that uh, gets to dirty areas. Like, you don't see a lot of scoring wingers like that. But, um, you know, Marshan's, you know, the guy. You know, that's a guy who's a, a 63 will be up in the rafters. And, and his compete, his leadership, uh, all those things. And again, that's why, like, if you do, like, Martian's not getting dealt. That's A. B, if DeBrusque does sign, right, if you do re-sign DeBrusque, whether it's in training camp or beginning of the year, yep. what do you have to trade away? Because you don't have a first or a second in the 24 draft. And you're going to do this all over again, like the last draft, where yeah. you didn't have a lot. Like, 
there, you know, again, down the middle. And we, you know, we say this all the time, like, you know, people this offseason are like free agency next year is going to be crazy because the cap might go up. And this and it's like, well, what players are hitting free agency? Like you're not yeah. finding a franchise cornerstone center in free agency anymore. It just doesn't happen enough to rely on it. If it falls in your lap, terrific. If Elias Lindholm is there next year, great. Like awesome. Yep. Buying him yep. for the most money. But, you know, if, if you want to get creative and trade, um, who you know, you're not outbidding anybody for anybody unless unless it's a Taylor Hall situation in Buffalo where he says, I only want to go to Boston. You know, I'm only moving the the no movement thing for Boston. So right. I just, uh, you know, to get a set to get a future number one center, I don't know how they do that. And again, Sweeney's crafty. He can be crafty. You know, he's he's had his moments in the past, but I don't know how you do that without getting. Um, a first round pick or a, a top prospect or something like that. You have, I think you have to get back in the first round um, where they're headed. You look back at, you know, Lucic is back now, but you look back in the, in, uh, in 2015, obviously that 15 draft, those, you know, that the three straight first round picks are, you know, memed on all the time, Yeah. but to get those first round picks, they actually did a pretty good job. You, you know, sell off a guy like Lucic, Dougie Hamilton, I think at the time was a different situation. I was not covering the team then, so I, I don't yeah. remember the exact specifics. Yeah, but he got three he did, first round picks out of it. Yeah, or two he, when you already had one. I think he didn't want to stay in Boston, and I think it was kind of mutual. I think they had decided they didn't want to pay him that kind of money uh, for kind of a softer defenseman that wasn't going to be a shutdown, true shutdown guy. Never really a Bruin. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. And you know, there there were times where like. Chara and Claude, when you talk to them about like how his play was in the D zone, they were just not tremendously impressed. It seemed like he wanted to be more of a power play guy and, you know, rack up the points, which he's to his credit has done. And he's actually turned himself into a pretty good two-way defenseman who's garnered Norris uh, you know, consideration in the last couple of years. So full credit to him. Um, uh, here's another quote. Uh, this one is from my piece uh, at joehaggerty.substack.com. When I talked to McAvoy yesterday, I talked about a bunch of things. I talked about his wedding this summer. I talked about, you know, what he worked on, which was um, shooting the puck more. He he, he and uh, the Bruins staff have identified areas, specific areas in the, in the offensive zone where his percentages are really high as far as when he creates offense, uh, whether it's, you know, shots to create rebounds, whether it's shots that score from the point, whatever it is. But it, one of the things he focused on again this summer, and it's been a work in progress the last few years, is shooting the puck more and shooting the puck more from the areas that they want him to shoot the puck from uh, that create more offense for the team. He only had seven goals last year. His career high is 10 a couple of years ago. And I think for his ability offensively, he should be scoring double digits every single year uh, from the defenseman position. So that's definitely something that he's worked on. But one of the other things uh, that I really wanted to talk to him about was just how he felt about Brad Marchand being named captain when McAvoy was likely the other guy that was discussed quite a bit by the Bruins uh, when they were going back and forth about who it should be. And here's what Mark McAvoy had to say. Uh, it wasn't until after uh, Marchand was named captain that you sort of think more about it because the captaincy really wasn't on my mind. I had no idea what the conversations were or when they were going to make a decision or anything. And Marshy is a guy who has played his, here his entire life, right? And he's built himself up as a player and as a person and, he, and how much he's grown. I've got to see it since I've been here. He's changed, and for him to dedicate himself with 15 years to this organization and to bettering himself on and off the ice every day, he's somebody that's waited for his turn, and he was due. I couldn't be more happy for him, and it's extremely well-deserved. And I think that's the right way to answer it for Charlie McAvoy, and I think it tells you 
just how much he respects Martian too. And I think he realizes that he's probably going to serve as the lieutenant to Martian now, as Martian did to Bergeron the last couple of years. And that is going to make him even more ready to be the captain at 28, 29 years old, closer to his late 20s than he is right now as a 25-year-old guy that's still a handful of years out of college, just got married, and still has a lot of life to live, I think, life experience-wise, before he's really ready to cap take on all the responsibilities of the captaincy that come with uh, an original six captain like the Boston Bruins. It goes back to what we were saying about those prospects, right? Like, there's no problem with letting them season a little, get seasoned a little more in Providence. Yep. There's no problem with letting McAvoy, uh, you know, take some more time before he's potentially the future captain. Again, does a Pasternak emerge? Does, you know, does someone else? It could yep. happen in the next couple of years, but as you said right now, McAvoy uh, seems like the, the second pick. But there's nothing wrong with letting him sort of, season a bit, you know, let him see, learn under Marshan. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, he's going to be here. Hopefully his whole career, <laughs> he's got a long career ahead of him. Yep. Um, and I just, I don't see that there's any issue with that. I think it was the, you know, again, it's the rational take, um, you know, obviously there's the Felgers of the world who think, you know, that somehow McAvoy would be this drastic change from Marshan, which I think is very false because as you said, McAvoy has been here, the you know his entire career he's been here yeah. now what he started in 1718 so that's you know six seven years now which is crazy it, that's been it, six it, seasons here's a quick lesson for mike felder guess what the guy that's been here for five or six years and learned leadership from zidane ochara patrice bergeron and brad marchand is going to lead just like zidane ochara brad <laughs> marchand and patrice bergeron if you want a different kind of leader you're going to have to trade for some star player for some other team bring him in here and slap the c on him kind of like what you did with zidane ochara when you wanted to change the culture in 2006 when you threw a ton of money at him got him from ottawa kind of guaranteed him that he was going to be the captain and selling him on coming to the bruins and then stuck him here for 15 years and turned things around that's how you change the culture you're not going to change the culture by taking players that you already have and naming one captain instead of the other that's it's ridiculous it's ludicrous uh theory and take from him and it, it just you know it's just something to talk about for him uh to, to get people going well i also think like in 2006 you needed to change the culture yes. you don't need to change this culture no. you have a good thing going no. here and i think it's a big thing for this team to sort of okay you know from their perspective we have had all of this success the last you know since 2007 all that time up until now 2023 how do you continue that Marshand is a smart guy to continue that let mcavoy learn under Marshand for the next three to four years then mcavoy's the guy and it's it just continues and i think they need that uh, more than anything. And I think, you know, Felger's, as I said, Felger's thing, I think is the playoffs. And it's like, you got to get to the playoffs first. That's yep. the biggest thing. You got to actually get in. Yep. And, um, but yeah, I mean, again, from McAvoy's perspective, I think some extra time as an assistant, I don't think is going to hurt him. I obviously didn't hurt uh, him long-term here. I don't think he's going to say, I got to leave. I want to go be a captain right now. Trade me to St. Louis or, <laughs> or, or, or somewhere else. Um, but yeah, again, I just think, you know, uh, and the, the other thing you mentioned about McAvoy's, uh, you know, finding smart areas in the offensive zone uh, to produce offense, I think is really interesting because, again, he's a guy that I remember Fluto wrote a story about him 
was either last year or the year before. And he was saying how McAvoy might never win a Norris because how good Kale McCarr is, Adam Fox, uh, Deline. Like, it's just, it's how so... How dynamic offensively those guys are. Yeah. He's, he's not, but he's he's a two-way force. And, you know, you can argue okay. that he's better defensively than some of those guys. And um, you know, he's right up there with them. I know the Athletic just did a thing, ranking him basically like in amongst them, yep. um, lower than some, higher than others. And But it's interesting because, it, you know, Obviously, you want to produce more offense to produce more wins. But I think in terms of, you know, where he ranks in the NHL and his sort of standing, uh, getting some more goals would help. Not that's everything, obviously, but I just think in terms of Norris uh, attention and things like that, I think, you know, find, unlocking that offense because it's there. I think it is there, yep. um, whether that's on the power play, whether that's a five on five. I think there is opportunity for him. And I think it's it's a smart move by the team, obviously, to sort of figure out, OK, where in the offensive zone is he most potent from? Where are the most chances coming from? Because, um, again, I think that's sort of the last thing he needs to conquer um, in terms of his own game, obviously a Stanley cup and things like that for the team. But for himself, I think it's, it's those goals. And it, it's going to be interesting because I think maybe part of it is that he needs to be pushed to be a little more aggressive offensively too. And uh, you know, part of the reason they brought in Kevin Shattenkirk is because he's very good on the point of the power play. And mm-hmm. it may turn into if the power and the Bruins know that, you know, without Patrice Bergeron in the bumper, the power play is going to be radically different this year. And they may have to have a stronger point, stronger power play quarterback that's a little more dominant offensively, that's a little better. Um, and I think Shattenkirk is going to provide that kind of competition and either push McAvoy to be more productive offensively and more aggressive shooting the puck or replace him on the first power play unit. I think that's something that definitely uh, could happen over the course of the year, just given the way Shattenkirk, his experience and, and what he's been able to do when he's been on the power play before and running the point there. So, And I think that was a big selling point on him coming here because he, he's certainly not a Connor Clifton type defenseman. So they were going in a different direction, waving goodbye to Connor Clifton and bringing in Kevin Shattenkirk. And I think the power play had a lot to do with it. Um, One last thing here, uh, last segment, and it's the Twitter question of the week. And it's not sponsored yet. So if you're listening right now and you want to sponsor the Twitter question of the week, hit up CLNS. Hit up uh, Guy Near. Get get in contact with him and the rest of the boys there at CLNS. and, And you can sponsor this if you want. Uh, but uh, it's from M Hall three three three, and it says, "Is Lucic too old, slow to be a top nine forward? Everyone, everyone's got him as a lock on the fourth line. Um, I, I don't think he's too old or slow to can to be on a third line. Uh, it depends on what your third want your third line to be. I think if you want your third line to be like a kind of checking line, maybe you're not going to put him on that line because you want guys that are really." going to be able to keep pace with the other team's best offensive players. And I don't know that you want Lucic constantly out there against the other team's best offensive forwards. I think, uh, you know, looking at him with um, Jacob Lauko and with Johnny Beecher or Patrick Brown at center or Boquist, or like there's a bunch, Mark McLaughlin, whoever, I I think he's, he at this point in his career, just the way he plays crash and bang hockey will drop the gloves, all the stuff that he does now He's he's not the player that he was when he was with the Bruins, uh, you know, six, seven years ago. He's a more of a crash and bang fourth line kind of player now. And that's how he's evolved in, into the role that he's in now. And that's where he is at this point in his career in his mid 30s. So 
I think that's the right place for him. But do I see him having the ability at times to play on the third line if they wanted to play their play even higher than that, if they want uh, a guy that's going to create space for some of the other top six wingers? Absolutely. And I think that's one of the benefits of him is that he's done it before. He scored 30 goals in the league before. Like you can put him up and down a little bit uh, as needed or as, you know, if Monty, which he does a lot, will switch around the forwards, put him in a blender and, and take a look at different combinations. But I think over the course of time, 10, 11 minutes a night, uh, scaring the daylights out of defensemen going back into the corners for pucks when he's coming in on the forecheck, defending guys, uh, defending guys like Martian and Pasternak when players on the other team try to take cheap shots at them and take runs at them. These are the thing and his leadership, obviously. These are all the things that they brought him in for. So put him in a position where he's going to be at his best and in a position to succeed. And it's going to be, I think, fourth line wing on the Boston Bruins most nights. Yeah, I you nailed it with the put him in the best position to succeed. That's not the top nine uh, for him right now. I think, top, you know, uh, fourth line minutes are the right thing. Um, you know, could, as you said, could he move up into the third line if there's an injury? Yes, of course. I also just think there's a lot of other options that might be a little more quicker, a little more offensive yep. uh, that would warrant those third line looks before him. But look, he's Lucic been around he's a fan favorite uh it's the 100th season i don't see him moving off the fourth line much like i you know healthy scratching him might happen at some point i mean there's other yeah. guys there's guys like greer that we haven't even mentioned like yep. who could slot in and be a little bit quicker but i just fourth line is the right spot for him um and i think they want him in the lineup they have him in every promo he was at the the jet blue uh, fashion show like he's going to be a part of this team. And I think if he wants to stay in the lineup and I think they were, want were you at the jet blue fashion show, Evan, I was not, I was at New England uh, sports center watching uh, the, the beast to fall classic. That's where I was. <laughs> um, so I was not at the fashion show. Keeping it real uh, with the kids playing hockey. I love it. That's my job. So I, I was, I was there watching the next generation of, of young talent coming from this region, which by the way, there's a lot of, uh, um, no, I've, it, I've heard about that. When we talked about this yesterday, that junior Eagles, U 14 team with, uh, Jim Montgomery's son, uh, Jay Pandolfo's son, and Freddie Myers' son. Sounds like they're pretty legit. Yeah, there's a Yandel. There's a Warsawski. I mean, that's a team that, like, they just have every NHL connection in the book uh, on yeah. that team. Um, but, you know, again, just, you know, back to Lucic, I just think, like, again, if you want him in the lineup, fourth line makes the most sense. I also think just mentoring guy. Let's say let's say Lucic, Beecher, and Lauko is how they start the season, right? Yep. I think that's pretty good for Beecher and Lauko to have a mentor on their line like a Lucic, right? Like Beecher's still adjusting to the pro game, um, even though he was in Providence all year last year. Guy tries to mess with them. You got Lucic right there. Um, so again, I just think that, you know, that's the best spot to put him in. Would I love to see Lucic uh, you know, next to Pasternak or something just for fun for a game? Of course, you know, that'd be, that'd be, a, that'd be a blast. But I think for the good of the team and for the good of Lucic and his ability to stay in the lineup, um, I think fourth line minutes make the most sense. You know, all right, I think Evan, fans just be happy he's back. That's fans just right. Be happy he's back. That's all. Just be happy, period, Bruins fans. Just go out and have a smile. Yeah. On just be happy. I'm happy that Evan Marinovsky joined me this week. New England Hockey Journal, host of the Bruins Beat. Thank you very much. Uh, let's give a quick thanks to our uh, sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook, exclusive wagering partner 
of the CLNS network. Go to fanduel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL NFL season, right? Uh, $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. You cannot lose with that. And also Factor Meals, uh, Factor Meals America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Uh, I am not just a spokesman with this. I am a client. They have awesome meals uh, that are healthy, that are uh, prepared by chefs, and they're ready in two minutes when you throw them in the microwave. So thank you very much, Factor Meals. Evan Marinovsky, thanks. I'll see you at the rink. And to all of you guys out there, thanks for listening to the Pucks with Hags podcast. We'll see you at the rink. The CLNS Media Network is powered by FanDuel. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston and get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose.